2: Welcome in to Picks and Parlays Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and also streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you search Picks and Parlays, we're usually the first thing that pops up, so we're very easy to find when it comes to social media platforms. Today is Tuesday, September 17th, and we've got a full lineup for you guys on today's show uh, because it's baseball and football season. So we've got plenty to cover. In our leadoff segment, we're talking baseball with Chip Cherembus, plus a little bonus college football pick, Utah and USC. Uh, And then we've got NFL with Craig Trapp talking three games, uh, including the Thursday night matchup between the Titans and the Jaguars. My Titans hoping to rebound after losing to the Colts, after everyone thought that they were good, after beating the Browns by 30 they went and did that. I say if you give up less than 20 points, you should win a ball game, but the Titans do otherwise. Uh, other games we're covering Bengals-Bills, Ravens-Chiefs, that should be a good one, two marquee quarterbacks Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes going face to face. And then college football with Joe Duffy covered three college football games, Air Force, Boise State, Michigan, Wisconsin, a big top 25 matchup there. Uh, and then Oregon-Stanford. Uh, some quarterback notes when it comes to the NFL today. The Eli Manning era is apparently over in New York. The Giants have named Daniel Jones the starter uh, against the Bucks this week. Should be interesting because Daniel Jones did look good in the preseason. But Eli Manning, you know what, he's been a good quarterback for a long time. Uh, he has a Super Bowl, so... I don't know. Recency bias can be a factor, but we'll see how that plays out moving forward. Other news, Cam Newton, Panthers quarterback, uh, is questionable this week uh, at Arizona. He aggravated a left foot sprain. The Panthers are 0-2. Cam did not look like himself uh, in their last game against the Bucks. I'm not sure what's wrong. I guess he's hurt, but he just seemed to have no energy as well. This is the guy that used to celebrate first downs. When they were down by 20. And people get mad about it. Uh, And now there just seems to be no life left left in him. And I'm just wondering where the confidence went. Uh, Kyle Allen is the backup for them. Uh, Last night, if you watched that Monday night football game, yes, the Browns covered. Are they back? I don't know. Because they played the Jets. (laughs) We'll be back after the break on Picks and Parlays Radio for plenty of betting talk. And we are back here on Picks and Parlays Radio on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and also streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I am your host, Chelsea Messenger, and we've got Chip Cherimbus joining us in the studio here in Las Vegas. Chip, how are you doing today?
1: We're doing really well, Chelsea. We had a great weekend in uh, college football. Yeah,
2: somebody's 5-1, I heard. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that was with the Friday night winner with Wake Forest as well. But we came on strong. We had some big-time winners, BYU over USC and the lot. And we have more in store this weekend as well.
2: Yeah, all right. Well, first off, let's start our leadoff segment with a little baseball because it still is baseball season. Two weeks left in the regular season just about. And that means that some of these division races and some of these wild card races are really heating up. So, this is meaningful baseball for a lot of these teams. Let's start with the Padres and the Brewers. The Brewers are one game back uh, for the National League wild card, so they're hoping to win some games. They're coming off a, a big series where they took two or three from the Cardinals, and they've won 10 of their last 11. Yeah, that
1: Cardinal loss was the only loss they've had in the last right. 11 games, and the Brewers, without Yelich are looking to make a move here. They're in the wild-card hunt right now, and they're sending their hard-throwing right-hander, Brandon Woodruff, to the mound today against San Diego. Now, the, Char- the Padres excuse me, the Padres <laughs> are coming back with Chris Paddock, and he's had a wonderful season for this club. He's 9-3 in and and Chelsea. His ERA was 3.38 on the year, and he really has been a very effective pitcher. He's only given up 108 hits in 135 innings, and we've spoke about that before, about not giving up a hit in an inning. And um, as a matter of fact, this, he's only given up 12 hits his last 18 innings with an 0.49 ERA in his last three starts. So how do you combat that? You combat with a team that's 11-3 and three with Woodruff, a team that supports him with 6.4 runs a game, but his ERA is at 3.75. Not as good as Paddocks, but his record is much better because the club is that much better. 13-3 overall in their last 16. Normally, I would like to take the Brewers. I just don't like laying this kind of wood... Chelsea. I don't like the price here. I'll play this game to stay under the total with these two outstanding pitchers. A lot of pressure is on the Brewers to, to get it done, and they're at home. I think this game stays under the total.
2: Uh, do keep in mind that Brandon Woodruff is on a pitch count. Uh, he's coming off the IL since training in Oblique in July, but he is an all star. He's a great pitcher, but they do have Gio Gonzalez uh, that's right. expected to come in after him.
1: And, you know, he is a bit of a strikeout artist, which certainly keeps the runs to a minimum.
2: All right, so where are you taking on this one more, one more time? I'm going to
1: play this one under. I think it was eight and a half. And um, with these two fine hurlers on the mound, and you said Gio Gonzalez in the wings, um, I expect the Brewers and the um, Padres to stay under the total.
2: All right, let's move on to the Reds and the Cubs. And we were just talking about how good the Cubs are <laughs> when they play at home. Sure. The road is another story, but this one is at home. You, Darvish, on the mound, six and six, three nine seven. And he has been really good as of late. Last time out, he struck out 14 yeah. batters against the Padres, six shutout innings, uh, so he's doing well. The problem is he hasn't been great at home, uh, but the second half he's been a lot better. Sonny Gray on the mound for the Reds, who's 10-7 and seven with a 2-8-0 ERA.
1: Fine ERA. Those
2: are great numbers, and look at this. He's looking to break Nolan Ryan's record by going 32 straight starts with only six hits or fewer.
1: Well, that's quite an accomplishment, and, and one of the things that you had mentioned earlier in your analysis here was that Hugh Darvish is pitching so well since the All-Star game. Right. In three of his last five starts, he hasn't given up any runs at all. He's four and two at a two point four four ERA since July. But Sonny Gray went six and two thirds in his last game before giving up a hit he did lose that game 3-2 because they wanted to hit two hits he gave up with a a three-run homer but he's given up six hits or fewer like you said in 31 consecutive starts with these two outstanding arms once again I think I'm forced to look at the total here Uh, Sonny Gray is 2-1 with a 2.70 ERA against the Cubs Darvish is 1-1 against Cincinnati you know Cincinnati has really gotten rid of and jettisoned a lot of their big bats I mean uh, Scooter's gone we got Puig is gone and they and they've really gutted their lineup I think this game has a real good chance of staying under uh, Darvish hasn't pitched that that well at home though the Cubs the Cubs are putting runs up in bunches right. now they they, uh, they really are they're scoring 15 runs a game last three times out but they haven't been facing Sonny Gray and,
2: right uh, and I Anthony Rizzo is out as well the so big, that's a, a big power
1: guy Rizzo is down and we don't know how long to be out he may be out going for the rest of the season and uh, I think the Cubs may be the sign here I hate Lane is kind of priced so that I mentioned Chelsea and that's why I would play the under between the Cubs and the Reds with these two hurlers
2: all right, Nationals-Cardinals, Patrick Corbin for the Nationals, uh, 12 and 7 seven, three two zero ERA, and he is top five in the National League in innings, strikeouts, and wins above, above replacement. War, as we like to call yes, it. Yes, and,
1: and he comes up a small favorite here at St. Louis, and, and that's a little bit surprising because of their overall record. Uh, Washington has only won 16 of the last 53 games at St. Louis. I mean, that is Abysmal, And they've had some decent teams in the past. They had Bryce Harper. They just don't seem to be able to play here. Maybe it's the artificial surface. And Corbin has been just outstanding. I mean, he's been so good, Chelsea, that against winning teams, against the better teams, they played under nine out of the last, or excuse me, eight out of the last nine times they played. So Corbin has been very, very effective against the better teams. And Mikolas is 9-13 on a year. Very high ERA. Very disappointing season for him. But once again... The Cardinals and his starts at home are 23 and 9. And the under in his starts at home are 15, to, uh, 15 and 7 in the last 22. So I can see this game going under as well with two really hard nosed pitchers on him. mound. Corbin's been effective all year, and Nicholas has had a great fine record at home. I, once again, I, I see this game going under the total, and I'm I usually not a total guy, and I'm coming up with three of them here today because I think those are the best sides and best chances you have to win on those three games.
2: Well, last night the Cards won at 4-2, uh, despite Steven Strasburg having a great performance. The Cardinals still won because uh, Dakota Hudson
1: yeah, he's been. him. And he's been great as well. And pitching is the key when it comes down the stretch. And it looks like um, in this one you may have an edge on the visitor, but we'll see what Mikalos can do at home.
2: All right, so let's move on to some college football. As promised, we've got a little bonus game for you guys: Utah, USC. This is the Friday night game. Utah is favored by four points in this one, and the total sits at 51.
1: But you know, I'm coming off a great weekend, having gone five and one through Friday through um, Saturday in college football. This is a great matchup. It's going to be one of my big promo games, which um, I've hit two of them so far: USC and Utah. But there's some really interesting stats about this. You know, USC lost. To BYU last week, and early in the season, we saw Utah dominate BYU. They just, and I just really controlled the whole game. And Utah's coming off a 31 nothing win as a 36 and a half point favorite. They're four and one against the points against USC in their last five meetings, Chelsea. But they are 0 and four after a straight up win. But there are some interesting stats on the USC side as well. They're seven and one at home against Utah, but only two and eight against the number in September. But I think the key factor here between these two teams is the style of ball they play Chelsea when they face each other. The last four outings have been 41-28, 28-27, 31-27, 42-24. I think the trend between these two teams is stay over. You told me earlier it was 51 and a half, and I think it's going to get to that number easily. USC is putting points on the board in bunches and they do give up a lot of points as well. I think Utah and USC go over the total, but if you're looking for the definitive side in this one, just log on to the website and follow the buy links and get the winner from Chip Chirimbus.
2: Right. USC's been a little inconsistent because I've bet a couple of their games, and I've been a little mind-boggled because (laughs) they had that good win over Stanford, 45-20, and then they come back. Uh, with a 30-27 to 27 loss against BYU, and Keaton Slovis didn't look nearly as good in his second You're game right. as a starter. Three interceptions versus BYU, and, it, and like you said, if you use the transitive property, which sometimes is dangerous to use in college football, <laughs> uh, Utah beat BYU, uh, and BYU beat USC. Right. So, I mean, if you go by that, it's just... College been, football has been so inconsistent lately, oh, it's it's hard for me to pick a side. i I've really been fortunate
1: with this USC squad because I had them against Stanford and they had that impressive win. That was the big win the weekend before. And then this week I flip-flopped, came against them with BYU, and they won that one outright. So we've had a couple of right. underdogs with USC, which won the games outright both times. And I'm looking forward to this matchup Friday night.
2: Right. Utah has looked like a complete... Really solid football team, and since day one, I know Craig's been really high on them to win the Pac-12 yeah. and be a contender, and they've looked like it so far. They've scored at least 30 points uh, in every game, and they're limiting to opponents to under 10 points. So their defenses look good. Their offense seems to be, you know, firing but on all of the
1: This is an important game for the Pac-12. I mean, they came out and lost the first five non-conference games. Right. Utah's about their only hope to reach the final four, shall I say, and Utah has to win here impressively in order to uh, make people understand. Yeah, they have to
2: run the table. They they have to to because the the Pac
1: 12 is just not getting any kind of respect anywhere. And when they go out of conference, they get beat all the time. So Utah needs this game, I can tell you that
2: much. And so does Clay Helton.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Got to keep his job.
2: Right, all right. Those are our college football picks. We're back after the break with NFL talk. Welcome back to Bix and parlays radio here on the sports byline broadcast network and also streaming live on Facebook Twitter and YouTube if you will wanna search us Pix and parlays really easy to find it's usually the first thing that pops up on all of those social media platforms I am your host Chelsea messenger you can find me here every day 1 Pacific 4 Eastern and we've got Craig Trapp joining us in his red today hello Craig
0: yeah, Tiger Red. It's not Sunday, but uh, we are talking some of the games for Sunday and, of course, Thursday night games. So excited for NFL Week 3.
2: All right, so let's start off with the Thursday night matchup, the Titans and the Jaguars. The Titans have a win and a loss, a win over the Browns, and then a loss to the Colts, 1917, which they should have won. Uh, Jaguars 0-2 on the season, but they have played some pretty decent teams. Uh, the Chiefs and the Texans. The Texans, a close loss, 13 to 12. Uh, initial thoughts on this one as the Titans are favored one and a half.
0: Yeah, interesting. This line opened at, uh, of course, the Titans as favored, but a two and a half point favorite and has dropped to one and a half, which I actually thought this line would go the other way. The total opened up at 48 and a half. I think this was an advanced total that came out. Um, So I don't think this quite has moved as much, but it is 39 and a half right now, as uh, these two teams have played some low scoring matchups in recent years.
2: Right. Both of these teams hang their hat on defense. The Titans allowed 19 points per game last season. uh, And despite, you know, or no, their offense, excuse me, I had that messed up, excuse me. They've got me all flustered. Uh, they only scored 19 points per game last season, and they were still 9-7. and seven. So if that says something about their defense, it should, because the Titans' defense is really good. Their offense, despite having Marcus Mariota, who's supposed to be a good quarterback, you know what, they just haven't fired on all cylinders, Jaguars as well. Their problem has been quarterback as well, even though before the show we were talking about Gardner Minshew. He's been actually pretty good uh, as a backup to Nick Foles. Uh, who do you like in this one, or what side are you taking?
0: Well, first of all, I I asked you before, because obviously you're a Titans fan, would you rather have Minshaw or Mariota? Because obviously before the season, I think everybody would say, oh, if Foles went down, we'd rather have Mariota. But Mariota just has not really looked good. I mean, the first game that went at the Browns, he really didn't have to do much because the defense was so good. And, you know, Gardner Minshew's came in under tough circumstances and has looked very good, at least accurate in both uh, both, uh, losses. I do think right now, if I had to take one, at least for the future, I would take uh, gardner Mitchell, And I think, I think the Jags are a live underdog this week. I really think it's going to be a low-scoring game. We saw the last three games in this series were all low-scoring. And uh, that leads me to a total here. I, I like the under. It's actually my top play, 39-and-a-half. But I'm also going to sprinkle a little Moneyline action with the Jacksonville Jaguars.
2: You know how depressing it is when you're a fan of the Titans <laughs> and somebody says that they would rather have gardner Minshew as their quarterback than Marcus Mariota but one thing I will say Derrick Henry has owned the Jaguars in their last game against the Jaguars uh, last season he rushed for over 200 yards and four touchdowns so if anybody owns the Jaguars it's Derrick Henry so hopefully he can step up for the Titans here and I think it's one of those mental things when guys are really good against a certain team I think that's front and center in their minds and their opponents minds
0: well, the Titans also, they're 4-0 straight up and against the spread the last four uh, head-to-head matchups. So Tennessee has owned the Jacksonville Jaguars, but actually, you know, last year everybody owned them, so that's not, <laughs> that's not a surprise. And the last three games all went under the total. 30-9 to was uh, the, the last game they played last year. The earlier game was 9-6, to and then the year before that, uh, the the second game was 15 to 10. So we've seen a lot of low scoring games. That's why I think this 39 and a half is pretty juicy. And I would get on this now if I was you before Thursday, because I think this total could drop uh, to either 38 and a half or 39, which obviously uh, we, if you're going to be on the underplay, you want to get in on it as soon as possible.
2: All right, let's move on to the Bengals and the bills. And you can talk about all these great teams in the NFL being two and oh, you know what the bills are one of them. They're 2-0 and this season. Granted, their wins have come over the Jets and the Giants, two teams that are not great and having quarterback issues. Uh, the Bengals, meanwhile, are 1-1, uh, or no, 0-2, excuse me, with losses to the 49ers and the Seahawks, which at least they covered the spread. I guess that's a positive. Uh, total sits at 44 in this one. Bills are favored by six.
0: Yeah, we've seen this total actually come way down, actually, the, or way up. I'm sorry. The total opened at 40 and a half, went up to 44. I guess that's a lot to say about how Cincinnati defense played against San Francisco last week. And then we saw the line open at four and Buffalo up to six. So, I mean, if you're on this game, if you want to get on this game, I suggest you get on early if you're going to play the uh, the Bills because I think this line going to continue to move up because, like you said, the Bills have a little momentum, 2-0 and versus Cincinnati team that's 0-2 coming off. A pretty disappointing performance against san francisco that i really think is a little overrated so I, I was expecting more from the bengals and coach zach taylor in his opening home game but we definitely didn't see that
2: right uh so what are the the bets you're looking at in this one
0: yeah i mean as a bengal's fan it's tough to bet against your team as, as we just uh, you know obviously talked about your team but I, I think the play is the bills minus six i just think the bills defense is really really good the bengal's defense was terrible last year so far this year has looked a little better in the first matchup, but the second game, uh, you give up 41 points to a San Francisco team that I'm guessing is going to average in the mid-20s. That tells me this team has still has issues. I think uh, the uh, Bills' defense is very, very good, and I think the Bills moved to 3-0, and and I think they moved to 3-0 and against the spread as well. And remember, the Bills are on an amazing uh, against the spread streak, going 8-0 and their last uh, eight games overall.
2: Right. The only issue I would have is, do you think six is too big of a number?
0: Well, I wish I wish I got it at the four, I'll tell you that much. But that's just the way, you know, the way betting works is, of course, uh, when, when a, a line is weak, like I think it was when it opened at that four number, you're going to get some action, and we got a lot of action on the Bills. Um, as long as I can keep it off that seven, at the key number of seven, I'll, I'll be happy with the Bills here. I also think the, the over is a little bit of a play, even though, I think the Bills are going to have to get a lot of these points themselves because I think the Bengals are going to struggle to score.
2: Right. All right, let's move on to two teams that have no trouble scoring points. The Ravens and the Chiefs, two of the most exciting young quarterbacks in the league right now, uh, going head-to-head. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. I almost don't want to bet it because I just want to sit back and watch and relax. The total sits at 55, and the Chiefs are favored in this one uh, by six and a half.
0: I thought maybe this total would come out close. Like we last year we saw, I think it was the Rams uh, play the Chiefs. The total opened uh, 60, I think. I thought this one could possibly get there. It opened amazingly at 52, and Kansas City is favored at 5.5. Now it's up to the Chiefs' favorite at 6.5, and, and the total at 55. I, can, I consider that still value because I think this total is probably going to end up in that 57 range as, like you said, these two teams have put up points in bunches the last few uh, games, and I think the Chiefs do it again. Uh, At least you could say the Chiefs' defense played well against the Raiders team in the second half.
2: Do you think overall the Ravens have a better defense, though?
0: Yeah, I still think Baltimore would like to hang their hat on the running game and defense. But right now, the way Lamar Jackson's playing, the uh, way he's throwing it around and mixing in his the quarterback runs as well, this team is dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. And when you score as quickly as they've scored this year, that guess what? That puts your defense out there a lot. And that's why Baltimore's defense, I think, is going to have issues this week against the Chiefs because they're going to be on the field a lot. I mean, I know every it's, you know, as uh, I would say, Brian Bittler always is about the square plays. This probably would be one of the more square plays of the week playing the over in this game. But I still think there's a ton of value in what I can see is both teams getting 30 points this week.
2: Okay. I have to ask about the Ravens. I am not a Ravens doubter by any means, but they played the Dolphins and the Cardinals. Is that a bit of a cautionary uh, aspect for you if you were, were taking the Ravens in this one?
0: Yeah, I would definitely say if you're going to play the side here, I would lean to the Chiefs just because I just think they've beaten better teams. And I think it's a tough spot going to Arrowhead Stadium, probably the toughest place uh, to play in the NFL. And I think it's going to be a lot of pressure on, you know, Lamar Jackson, like you said, he's beat two bad teams right now uh, with really unproven quarterbacks at this point, And now you have a the reigning MVP and Patrick Mahomes. I think Mahomes is going to uh, take take that challenge serious. I think the Chiefs put up, you know, into that 32 to 35 range in a pretty impressive – he might even put up 37. I can see this be 37 type uh, 30 game. But I think the much better play, the much safer play, is play the over. Like you said, sit back, grab your popcorn, and watch tons of points in this one.
2: Yeah, and root for touchdowns. It's always a lot more fun yeah. to play the over than the under. Yeah. That's the worst they say feeling. Uh,
0: <laughs> life's too short, they say, to bet the unders because the unders is like, you know, of course you're winning when the game starts, but at some point, once it goes over, then right. you have no chance. Right, it's just chance. all downhill the from there. The overs, you always feel like you have a chance, but you always say if you look at the numbers at the end of the year, the actual unders, if you bet the under in every game, you'd actually, uh, you know, it always comes out ahead of the overs. So, That's a cautionary tale. But when you play in the Chiefs team early in the year, the last few years, their offense has been amazing.
2: Right. I'm wondering if uh, the knock on Lamar Jackson has been, uh, once the tape comes out on what he's doing, teams will be able to prepare for him a little better. I know Andy Reid is a good coach, but at some point, how do you prepare for that? He's so dynamic uh, and he makes so many plays when the pocket breaks down. Is that something you can prepare for?
0: Well, at least you have a quarterback that you're probably practicing against and Patrick Mahomes that is right. – I mean, some of the stuff he does is very similar where, yeah, you think you have everything lo- you know, locked in, and all of a sudden he escapes the pocket, and that's when they're both most dangerous. I think this is going to be an exciting game. I think Lamar will definitely run up uh, against a, a game where he has to put it up uh, when it matters because I, I expect him to be behind, and that's uh, extra pressure. But I think uh, that only helps our over here.
2: Yeah, and both of these teams, they have the threat of the deep ball. Uh, Hollywood Brown, I think is his name, is the receiver that's been really good for the yep. Ravens. And obviously the Chiefs, you know, both these teams have explosive play potential. So it'll be fun to see uh, if this total does go over. Uh, well, those... I think you've
0: got to get on it now, though, because this one's going to go up.
2: All right. Good advice there from Craig Trapp. As always, that's our NFL picks after the break. Let's see what we're talking. College football. We've got plenty more to talk about on Picks and Parlays Radio after the break. Welcome back to Picks and Parlays Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and also streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you search Picks and Parlays and you want to tune in that way, it's really easy. We're usually the first thing that pops up on all the social media platforms i am your host chelsea messenger and we are joined now by joe duffy hello joe
3: hello chelsea why would they not want to watch this on streaming video they can see my handsome face
2: <laughs> of course uh how was your weekend how were your picks how how was everything going over there
3: yeah it, it was a crazy weekend uh to say the least but yeah it was a, a good uh, profitable weekend especially like my Only Moneyline game of the year so far, Uh, Indianapolis plus the 160 coming in. And you didn't have to laugh all that hard at my joke as far as uh, looking at my face.
2: (laughs) Did you say you took Indianapolis?
3: Yeah, Indianapolis uh, outright. Of course, that game did did go down to the wire. Uh, You got to sweat it, unfortunately. That's just the way it is betting, and especially in my case, where I like to bet a lot of unders, and and it's never over till it's under. As some people like to say, so I've had to sweat out quite a few totals, but you know the public likes to bet the overs and the underdogs. that's why uh, uh, the overs I should say the favorite. that's why underdogs and unders are generally the smarter bet.
2: Was that game on TV? Because speaking of sweating, when I have to watch a game on game tracker, that'll get your heart pumping <laughs> if you can't watch it on TV. He-
3: yeah, a couple of my posse and I, we've been going out to a local sports bar. Well, actually, the Dave and & Buster's, and they have a beautiful TV set up. I was able to watch nine games simultaneously without even having to move my seat. So it was on TV uh, as far as I'm concerned on Sunday because I was at a sports bar.
2: Oh, good stuff. All right, so let's start with some of these games. Uh, this week, let's start with Air Force at number 20, Boise State. Boise is 3-0, and and get this, they haven't allowed a single point in the second half in all three of those wins and they have the best home record this century at 115 and nine however air force is one of those teams that have beaten boise at home a 37 30 win in 2015 uh, boise is favored minus eight in this one total sits at 55 uh, initial thoughts and leanings on this one
3: well chelsea it's ironic because i do have some Conflicting stuff. I like to take that I'll report you decide approach and really both of it relates to what you were talking about. First of all, going against ranked teams and tough home games and that means that they're not a favorite of at least nine and a half uh, going against such teams as 184, 154 and four that would favor Air Force. Now again, not the most statistically overwhelming uh, angle that I've ever given you. But then again, conversely, I do have a style points angle that has to do with non power five teams that are ranked but clearly have to make statements in order to become relevant at any conversations at the end of the year that would favor Boise State. And that would be 80, 48, and 5. But the big uh, story here is got to keep his game time approaches. Want to take a look at Boise State's offensive line injury report. Ezra Cleveland um, is questionable as well as their right tackle. John Jokwu uh, is a tremendous tackle, and he's also questionable. Hopefully, his game time approaches. Of more accurate information on their statuses. Now, this will come as a surprise, somewhat counterintuitive. Teams playing consecutive road games on a short week, as this game, of course, is on Friday night, and off of an upset overtime win. It's very rare, but you would think this would be a bad spot for Air Force. Tough back-to-back road games. Well, hashtag fake news. Uh, Road teams under those situations I just gave you in that rare circumstance. Pretty impressive, nine-five and one. So, all in all, I do expect this game to. Go down to the wire of course with a short week we know you know air force has that tough offense to to adjust for the military schools are always tough to play on those short weeks i do think this game is going to stay fairly close
2: what is it about the triple option or teams that run some form of the triple option that seems to throw off people because as we've noticed there's been triple option teams that have really caught teams off guard we saw it with michigan and army and if you remember nick saban when he talked about i think it was georgia southern Mm -hmm. i gotta find a way to say it he said they ran through us like blank through a tin horn (laughs) talking about their triple option uh so does that make a a case for maybe air force covering some points here
3: yeah and georgia southern they've been running that triple option for quite quite a, a few years it's very tough to um obviously defend against because you don't see it that often and of course the big advantage teams that recruit the triple option they can recruit a unique type of athletes where they're not gonna definitely, they're not gonna have more talent than you, but they can recruit guys that fit into the system. And yeah, especially, you know, with that one less day of uh, prep ability and Air Force runs it. I mean, look, Air Force is a relevant team. They not only run the triple option, but they're they're a team with a lot of talent. So anytime you don't get to see a certain look, look, you talk about Nick Saban, just the opposite happened when Texas A&M first came into the SEC. They were one of the few teams that ran a wide open offense. Now uh, other teams do, but Texas A&M was catching teams like, in fact, Nick Saban off guard because when they came into the SEC, it was still a smash mouth conference. And then Texas A&M was giving um, Alabama a look they hadn't seen before. So that's kind of the basic theory with the triple option. When you haven't really had much of a chance to practice against it, it's a big disadvantage.
2: It makes me wonder why Georgia Tech has gone away from it. Because if you've seen Georgia Tech play this year, you can tell that they've recruited players to run the triple option, and now they're not running the triple option, and it's, it's trouble for their offense.
3: Yeah. Right. There's going to be an adjustment period. And Paul Johnson, right. in fact, came from uh, Georgia Southern. Uh, you know, they, they were able to reach a certain plateau. Johnson had his share of success at Georgia Tech, but they clearly they weren't going to be any more than a seven- or eight-win team. And look, you know, give Collins some time to turn it around. At Georgia Tech, as you said, he's got to recruit completely different types of players. But yeah, losing the the Citadel, that's definitely not a way to uh, you know st- be start your career uh, with that ugly loss. Uh, Georgia okay. Tech, okay. Just not uh,
2: just to recap, who are you taking in Air Force, Boise State? Just so we I'm going to go with
3: Air Force getting the eight.
2: All right, let's move on to Michigan and Wisconsin. This is a top twenty-five matchup as Michigan is favored. Ele- er, excuse me, they're ranked eleventh, Wisconsin ranked 13th. However, it's Wisconsin that's favored in this one, minus three and a half, probably because they're at home. And Michigan has not beaten Wisconsin in in Wisconsin, I think since, oh, 2001. Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, Do you think uh, Harbaugh and Michigan cover the spread here?
3: Uh, I do not. Now, I'm a little bit worried. This did cross a key number. It opened up at two and a half. And as you said, it's now three and a half. Uh, You know, years ago, a a guy whose opinion I really expect, and he's one of the better organic handicappers, he's worked every facet of this industry. But he told me he always likes to look for quality home teams off of a buy. And I said, look, I can look that up. And in fact, rank home teams off of a buy, one, ten, eighty-two, 82, and 6. And it's still 56.4%, even if the other team's off of a buy, which Michigan is. So it's Home teams off of the buy, especially another momentum angle going with the teams off a dominant win. 36 or more points is 574-407-27, and 27, and it doesn't slow down when a team's off of a buy. That would also benefit Wisconsin. Uh, look, Michigan with five turnovers their last game, they have lost their last four at Camp Randall Stadium. I will admit the fact that Michigan's breaking in a spread offense, probably the buy came at the right time. You would think they can really improve that spread offense on the bye week, but still, All in all, I do like uh, Wisconsin, even though it crossed a key number. I do like Wisconsin minus the three and a half.
2: Right. I think Michigan, the problem with them is they haven't really given people uh, much reason to have faith in them. Because, I mean, you saw the game last week against Army. Mm -hmm. We talked about triple option offenses. uh, And they were a missed field goal away from losing that game. And Wisconsin, they run the ball pretty well. Jonathan Taylor is one of those running backs that's one of the best in the country uh he's run he's rushed for a hundred yards or more every time he's played michigan Mm -hmm. so uh, i'm wondering if michigan can stop the run
3: no that's that's a very good point yeah new jersey's jonathan taylor definitely one of the uh, top running backs in the league um you know but wisconsin they're also going to benefit from from the bye week they do have four new offensive linemen so they're starting the gel so you talk about how good taylor is At least, you know, the offensive line is getting better and better. And I think also the the bye week can cover them. By the way, interesting note here. Wisconsin has the largest margin of cover in the country. So far, they've been covering by an average of 33 points per game. Michigan, second to last, they failed by an average of 17.8 points per game. But I did run that in my computer. Not a huge advantage either way. If anything, I thought it would benefit Wisconsin because I said college football is a big momentum sport, but not as big of an advantage as I had expected. But still... Big difference as how these teams have been betting wise this year
2: on paper it looks like wisconsin's the clear favorite here but as we've seen in college football college football teams can be very inconsistent week to week these are college kids do you see any reason why people are undervaluing michigan here
3: i do really a lot of the opinions i respect think if you break it down unit by unit Michigan's actually the more talented team, though clearly Wisconsin with the humongous advantage at running back. But home field is so important. You know, home field advantage is usually worth three points. So this game opened up at two and a half and then is now up to three and a half. So in reality, the odds makers were saying that Michigan was a slightly better team when they were only a two and a half point underdog. But really, if you. Outside of the running back position, a lot of the experts that know the personnel inside and out do think that Michigan might be the more talented team. So this is this is a game that's probably going to go down to the wire, but I do think that uh, Wisconsin will manage to pull away.
2: All right, let's move on to Oregon and Stanford. Uh, Oregon is favored by 10.5 points in this one. The total sits at 58.5. Uh, Stanford coming off two road losses, I believe. Uh, UCF, mm-hmm. uh, was USC at home? I can't remember.
3: The USC lost at uh, UCF, and then the week before that, they lost uh, against USC. Um, Stan- that- Stanford, I'm sorry. Stanford lost at UCF, and then yeah. uh, the week before that, USC. Because
2: I remember not thinking that Stanford had a great chance against UCF, because that is a lot of travel. So this week they are back at home against Oregon, which is a team that has showed a lot of talent. Uh, despite that, if you remember that first game of the season against Auburn, I thought they looked really good. And since then, they've won convincingly over Nevada and Montana. Who do you like in this one?
3: And the fact they did beat Nevada and Montana is very important. The teams that, are all, that have big momentum over their last two games, I got a nice angle that says teams that won their last two games by large margins, 124 and 56, and even better, 73 and 32 on the road. And I've looked it up, even if it's against bad teams, I've always said that my research has shown tune-up games are great as long as you do what you're supposed to do in those tune-up games. And that uh, clearly, uh, Oregon did that. And as you said, yes, Stanford, they traveled 2,200 miles to go to uh, Central Florida last week. They lost in the heat off of a tough game two weeks ago to USC, Remember, Stanford was a team that, you know, entering the year, they thought they were a decent dark horse team, but the rug's been pulled out from under them. I do think emotion uh, is a lot more important in college football, and I do think, you know, they really had a lot of win let out of their cell. It looks like K.J. Costello, at least he's back, but only completed about half of his passes last week. His uh, best offensive lineman, Walker Little, is out. And uh, favorites of 7.5 or more in triple revenge are 224, 180, and 8, including 57.3 on the road, and in fact, Uh, road favorites of six and a half or more in triple revenge 61 36 and three so i do look for the big road favorites oregon to win this game big time
2: stanford has allowed 90 points in their last two games granted those are on the road uh the total sits at 58 and a half is that worth looking at um, yeah,
3: if anything, I do think that that Stanford's defense could get torched. You know, one of my golden rules is defense relies a lot more on emotion. Where offense, it's more about precision and timing. And, and like I said, it's just been a, a tough year for Stanford. They they thought they could have been a decent contender in the Pac-12, but obviously they can't be. And I do think that that when you have the win taken out of your cell, that's more likely to show up on the defensive end. Plus, don't you know underestimate as we said. Not only the travel, but the brutal heat of last week. So, if any team is going to be physically worn down this early in the year, it could certainly be Stanford and against the speed of uh, Oregon. And as you said, look, even in their loss, Oregon showed that they're they're a top quality team. They can uh, play with anybody. So, yeah, this could be one where Oregon's speed just wears out Stanford.
2: Right. One last note: Oregon did lose at home to Stanford last season, 38-31, and that was at Oregon. So,
3: keep yeah. that in mind That's- as
2: well. That's our college football we Not enough
3: the triple revenge. Yeah, it's triple revenge.
2: All right, we're back after the break on Picks and Parlays Radio, recapping all of our picks. Stick with us. And we are back here on Picks and Parlays Radio on this Tuesday afternoon. You're listening to us on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, and. You know what? You might be listening this way. We also stream live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And guess what? If there's ever a game you're wondering about, it's probably on our YouTube page because we archive all of our shows. And if you missed a college or NFL game that you want to know about, check out our YouTube page. It's kind of like Netflix for betters. Uh, Let's get to our picks from the day with a recap in case you weren't paying attention. Starting off. With baseball, Chip Cherimbus gave us some MLB picks. Padres at Brewers, taking the under in that one. Reds, Cubs, Nationals, Cardinals, taking the under in all of them. He likes the pitchers in all of those games. And he gave us a little college football pick as well. Utah at USC, he's taking the over to hit 54 points. Moving on to our NFL picks with Craig Trapp. Titans at Jags, that Thursday night game. Taking the under, 39 and a half. Bengals bills taking the bills minus six ravens chiefs expecting a shootout here taking the over at 55 and finally our college football picks with joe duffy air force at boise state taking air for air force and the points plus eight michigan at wisconsin taking wisconsin here at minus three and a half and oregon and stanford Taking Oregon as the big favorites, minus 10 and a half. So those are our picks. Hopefully we've got some winners in there. College football has been an interesting bag uh, this, this year so far because we've seen a lot of underdogs winning some huge games. And although it is exciting, it can be frustrating <laughs> if you didn't call some of those picks. Uh, but we've got plenty more where that came from. A lot to talk about this week. More picks, more football, more baseball coming up tomorrow, 1 Pacific, 4 Eastern on Picks and Parlays Radio. Until then, bet, win, repeat. We'll see you tomorrow on Picks and Parlays Radio.
3: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.